another episode of Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And I think I think all of us are familiar with like middle school hyperfixation phases. Like, <laughs> middle school? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to, 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 to continuing to this day, but like, you know, people i i was definitely a greek mythology kid mm-hmm. in middle school i was definitely an ancient egypt kid um and i've seen a lot of people uh you know who relate to that um but i did also have one thing i was very interested in uh that i have not seen anyone else um share as being oh, no. one of their special <laughs> interests um i went through a harry houdini phase Oh, yes, you did. I know about your Harry Houdini face. Yes, you did. Um, so I I don't remember what first sparked my interest, um, but there were like three different biographies in the middle school library, and I read all of them. And uh, we went, uh, spoiler alert, there's a Wisconsin connection here. So well, that's, my family I and say. I even visited yeah. something. <laughs> um so I thought that it would be fun to talk about Harry Houdini today. Awesome. So I think he's he's definitely a spooky adjacent figure. Um, you know, all of his collection collections, connections to illusions and magic, um, spiritualism. And of course, he died on Halloween night, the spookiest thing a person can do. Yeah, so lucky, Harry Houdini. Right. Goals, honestly. Uh, <laughs> So um, in addition to my childhood Houdini fixation, um, I did refresh myself from looking at like the Encyclopedia Britannica about Houdini. Um, I also read an article from the New Yorker called Harry Houdini and the Art of Escape. Mm-hmm. But let's let's just dive back. Uh, let's go in. The man who would take the stage name Houdini was born Eric Weiss in Budapest, Hungary on March 24th, 1874. His father was a rabbi, um, and the family moved to Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, when he was three. Um, The family did later move to Milwaukee, um, but sadly did not have a great time here. Uh, Fell into poverty. Um, They did eventually relocate to New York City. So it was in New York that little Eric first started performing in the circus, um, and then on the vaudeville stage. Uh, So he... He did like some trapeze work. He did all sorts of stuff. Um, He started training in magic and doing card tricks, uh, which were kind of, you know, the the classic magic of the time, um, but didn't find his success until he started doing handcuff escapes and other escape tricks. Uh, So he was inspired by, here is a good historical name for us, uh, (laughs) John Eugene Robert Houdin, um, a Mm, French magician uh of the time. Um, He took his name, obviously, from that. And uh, he, in in the future, in the future, I mean, in In his future, future, not in our future, (laughs) Um, he he later claimed um, that Harry was in reference to another like great magician um but most people think it is more likely that his nickname at home was airy for eric Mm -hmm. and that it kind of came from that uh so we're gonna see throughout the show um (laughs) houdini was kind of a chaotic guy um and we'll get no you don't say yeah we'll get a little taste of that from the fun fact that um he did eventually like go to france during one of his european tours um and meet met with uh robert houdin's widow uh to talk to her and ask permission to visit his grave 
and uh, the Wikipedia says, quote, he did not receive permission, but still visited the grave. Nice. <laughs> um, and then later, like, spoke to the papers and said that Mrs. Uh, Robert Houdin was actually super rude to him, uh, which seems like an, an unnecessary thing to dig up. Um, and then he published a whole book saying that this dude stole tricks from people and was a fraud, oh um, basically. Wow, what a... Uh... What a real, uh, oh my god, my brain just died. The guy that was blasphemizing that woman uh, from our previous episode. Oh, the yeah, Charles author. Dickens. Charles Dickens. <laughs> my brain was literally like, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I was like, that's not who I'm thinking of. You're just, yeah. you're sensing that he, that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is going to appear was... in this story. Oh, ooh. <laughs> it was my, it was my psychic ability as I couldn't unhear it. Mm, we'll see. But yeah, calling a widow a bitch is kind of a... <laughs> yeah, just kind of a weird vibe. Seems unnecessary. <laughs> Seems um... like a harsh move, Houdini. <laughs> uh, so rewind uh, back in time. Uh, so he, when he first started doing magic um, in the 1890s, it was he and his brother um, performing as the Brothers Houdini. Um, they were in vaudeville shows, sideshows, dime museums, just out there hustling, uh, doing whatever you could. Um, and it was during this time that he met another vaudeville performer, uh, Wilhelmina Beatrice Reiner, or Beth. And they got married after knowing each other for three weeks. And okay. she became his stage assistant and uh, kind of took over his brother's place in the show. Man, cold. Right. Um, <laughs> I, Rose before I am not, <laughs> I know. I'm not even, there is not time to get into this, but like his brother had his whole own magic thing. They had like a fake rivalry to like pump each other up oh, and stuff. Like so a, like they a, were, um, he was making it work. He was supporting the bros and the hoes. So amazing. it's fine. A um, fake press beef before right? your time. Oh man. So much. There's so much good press stuff coming. Um, <laughs> It always feels um, risky to say that an old-timey guy was, like, a good husband or a good person um, in general. <laughs> sure. Um, but it does seem, it seems like they were happy. Like, from all of the, like, reports and stuff, it seemed um, like they were, they never had any children, um, but they, you know, worked and <laughs> ah, stayed there together. there it is. No. <laughs> every, I know, that's what they were like. That's why they were, were so happy. <laughs> I know. Um but he he was also infamously like a huge mama's boy, like very devoted to his mother. Um, and there's a famous photo of him with his mother and with Bess um, that he has labeled my two sweethearts, which I Aww. thought was very sweet. Um, so let's get into the first thing he was really famous for, um, his escape acts. Um, so he'd been doing all this handcuff escape stuff, um, being billed as the handcuff king. And we've got another Midwest connection because it was in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1899 that he met Martin Beck, who was like a, a manager, uh, entertainment manager. And he was like, hey, handcuff thing is great, but you should really be doing it. You should be focusing on the escape stuff and mm. uh, started booking him in theaters for these escapes. And this is when his career really took off. Uh, so as we, I, I was really laughing when I was reading this because it definitely made, gave me flashbacks to our P.T. Barnum episode. I've been um, thinking about this the whole because time. Yes. This was like 1900s viral marketing was on lock here. Um, so Houdini would go around and challenge police departments and jails to lock him up so he couldn't escape. Um, you know, 
be stripped naked and searched and locked in the cell and then when he escaped like everyone in the city would just get hype as hell and be like i gotta see this show i gotta go um and he also pioneered like tie-in marketing i guess like a lot of times when he would go to a city to do like a big stunt there would be some kind of local business like he escaped from like a can full of beer that like the brewers association like supported oh. or i don't know they would be like ah oh, this crate provided by jim's great crates uh he's, he's like use code houdini 10 for your exactly <laughs> um he he was making it work and he would do a lot of these like really public um stunts that obviously would get everyone clamoring to get into the theater to like see the show that's so definitely yeah. like again i mean i know other people were doing it but it's just so weird to hear that like version of what people do now right in this context like it's uh really big big brain big thinking or real <laughs> uh so kind of his first iconic um escape trick um would be to be shackled and climb inside a milk can um filled with water and then padlocked inside and he would have to escape. Uh, so a couple of years ago, um, I think I think this was like 2019, um, there was a Houdini exhibit at the Jewish Museum in Milwaukee. And one of the things that I really loved is they had like an outline on the wall of like an actual size milk can and were like, crouch down and see if you'd fit in there. Um, oh, well, yeah. It's I mean, I, I, think, I mean, they're, you know, somewhat big, but definitely not like nor most humans today sized <laughs> yes yeah uh so houdini houdini was definitely a short king um yes. as we would say um obviously like no one ever like took like an official measure um but people generally report that he was like five five yeah you'd have to be to fit in those tiny spaces mm -hmm. and like yep, very just very slender and bendy yep just very compact muscled and like squishable <laughs> um <laughs> And then kind of his more, his next um, evolution of that, um, the more dramatic version um, is the Chinese water torture cell. Not an ideal name, um, no. <laughs> but um, this is probably something that most people have seen reference to. Um, if you are even like in general magic stuff, when it's not connected back to Houdini, um, this is the trick where you are shackled by the ankles and lowered into like a glass case filled with water and mm. have to escape um so like we see this in the there's a version of this in the prestige um i was like glancing through the like pop culture <laughs> section and there's like an episode of house where someone yes is doing a trick like this uh so this definitely comes up and the reason that he actually switched to this was that so many people were copying his milk can escape and he was not able to like patent that or anything, um, but the cell was an invention of his own creation. Uh, so mm. he was able to copyright that and he would in fact sue people <laughs> for trying to copy this routine. I'm trying to imagine like what that conversation went like when he's like, I'd like to patent the idea of my body in a milk can full of water. <laughs> and the right. patent office was like, mm. um, I don't mm. think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I would say probably the other most famous um, type of escape um, was escaping from straight jackets. Um, yeah, so that's you... what I think of when I think yep. Houdini. 
Yeah, so um, one of the reasons for that is there is actual video footage um, of this. Um, that's part of the Library of Congress collection. Um, so he would be suspended upside down in the air from a crane in a straitjacket trying to escape. Um, and more, more viral marketing. Uh, he would often do this outside of newspaper offices uh, to try and guarantee <laughs> press coverage of Perfect. this happening. Um, and I, I did learn when I was at uh, the little houdini so there's like there are a couple like houdini museums in the country um what i went to in appleton is like just kind of a general historical society that has like an, a houdini exhibit um as mm -hmm. part of it and they reveal that the trick is that you take a deep inhale when you're being strapped in um but that you know it gives you a couple of inches to maneuver like some of these things like are tricks that have like you know inventions or quick releases and things and some of them are just like being very physically capable <laughs> of yeah, doing stuff able to do it yeah <laughs> yeah some are just like physical stunts um and one one bonus one very weird thing um is one time houdini escaped from a sea monster um Excuse so me? Yep. Uh, so some some unidentified dead marine animal washed up in Boston and a group of businessmen were like, hey, I challenge you to escape from this. Um, so they shackled oh. him up and shoved him inside like a dead whale or something. And he did escape, but later said he almost passed out because it stank so bad in there. When you said escaped from a sea monster, I thought you meant like he was in the water and oh, the sea no. monster attacked him. <laughs> no. This is so much worse. Yep. Yep. That was just a thing that happened back in those how days. How much would they, I mean, I guess maybe it was for publicity, but like how much, I feel like they'd have to pay someone a significant sum to be like, we're going to shove you in this whale carcass. <laughs> right. You have 20 minutes to escape. <laughs> right. Good like, luck, my dude. I, I just can't imagine under what circumstances he would be like, yeah, sounds yeah. great. I mean, I will say that like, he definitely seemed like the kind of guy who, He's you doing know, it for the gram, doing it for the gram <laughs> or also like, you know how there would be like a boy in your class who would do anything. If you were like, I'll give you a, I bet you a dollar. You won't whatever. Yeah. And he definitely <laughs> seems like someone who was just like, I will do that. When, when did you say his birthday was, is this man's a Sagittarius? <laughs> uh march oh okay <laughs> he's an aries that's you know yeah Are fire sign that's fire sign energy to be like right. i'll do it <laughs> all right well you you asked for some sir arthur conan doyle yeah um, hit me <laughs> and uh i would say the second most prominent part of houdini's legacy um is as a debunker of spiritualists and mediums rude um so in the 1920s he became buds uh with sir arthur conan doyle who um as we know was a a very credulous guy he believed in a lot of things um <laughs> and he believed that houdini had supernatural powers and houdini was like i don't but thanks <laughs> um and in uh june of 1922 uh sir doyle and lady doyle um invited houdini to their hotel room and they had a seance uh where lady doyle claimed that she was channeling houdini's mother who had died several years before and apparently wrote out like a full 15 pages um, of messages from his mother, which were in English, which his mother never spoke. 
Mm. And Houdini was like, mm, don't oh, believe fam. that. Do not appreciate this. Um, and became pretty fixated um, on investigating and exposing fraudulent psychics. Um, obviously, this was not uh, a real boon to their friendship. Um, and Sure. Uh, Doyle apparently continued to believe that he was supernatural and that his debunkings were him using his psychic powers to block other people's psychic powers, okay. which would, would be a pretty sick plan if you were a psychic, like to be fair, yeah. to be fair. I love it. Um, but Houdini offered a $10,000 reward, um, to any psychic who could demonstrate a physical phenomena that could not be explained rationally. Uh, which is like $180,000 in today money. Do you think he's like the type though that like he wanted to be proven wrong? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later, but okay. I think it was definitely like he really and like like we said, like he was very devoted to his mother. He like very badly sure. wanted to be able to make connection with her and um, was therefore like all the more incensed by feeling um, like he was being taken advantage Bamboozled. of. And sure. Being well, because I'm I'm sure all these psychics were like, "Why are you so obsessed with me?" <laughs> like, <laughs> right. If you don't believe it, just leave me alone. Like, yeah. But no, yeah. So he he did not fan like behavior. Who do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I think it was partially like his own personal drama about it, and then he sure. also like as someone who does like illusions i think he was kind of like um you're the same thing as me but you're trying to claim that you're but something fake. you're not and like that's bad like that reflects poorly on me mm. um but like he would he would like go in disguise to seances apparently wearing a fake beard and a hump um and then like part way through would rip it off and be like i am houdini <laughs> and, like, be like flip a table and like be like turn on the lights and blah you're a trickery and i i mean i imagine that i this dramatic bitch energy is truly truly incredible <laughs> that's i was like what a drama king i love it yeah definitely <laughs> definitely a full showman he was always always out there making the, making the most <laughs> of his of his scenery scenery chewing love that i love it um so he was also, oh my gosh, um, he was really into aviation for a while. He started a film studio. He like basically labor organized all the magicians from like individual clubs to the National Society of American Magicians. Um, he, he was out here doing the most. Um, those yeah. things aren't really spooky, so I'm not really going to get into them today. Uh, but anyone can also feel free to read like three biographies on Houdini <laughs> and learn more we call it the penny method <laughs> yes uh just absorb it all yeah uh so the legend of houdini's death um is also just kind of a, a looming part of his history um so the the story that you generally hear um goes that he was in his dressing room um and some college students came in and were like hey is it true that you it doesn't hurt you to get punched in the stomach and he was like yep um, and then this dude punched him super hard uh, before he had a chance to brace himself. Um, and that led to his death several days later. Um, oh. But uh, so he had appendicitis 
and yeah. he was, was there told... a, was there a drunk history episode about him I'm like, i believe so yeah i'm like yeah. i've heard this story why yes i don't know anything um, about houdini but yeah he, he was told to go to the hospital immediately and he was like nah i'm not gonna do that and he performed a show instead um and then he died on yeah. halloween night 1926 um so there is no no known link um, between punching and appendicitis. <laughs> um, some people are like, well, maybe he would have like taken the abdominal pain more seriously, like if he hadn't been punched and like right. was like, oh, like I got punched. Just like I'm sore, yeah. But but I'm also like he. They literally told him he needed to have his appendix taken out, and he was like, not today. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think that he would have taken anything seriously, honestly. Uh, <laughs> He was he was like in his head living for the drama of him like dying on stage. He was like, What if I just oh pass god, out right. and everyone's like, Oh my god, and oh then I stand god. up and I rip off my hump and <laughs> Yes. You gotta rip off that hump and be like, What's up? Um... I will only picture Houdini entering stage to have my humps now. Just him like coming on stage like Oh yes, that that was definitely that was definitely his vibe. That was what was happening. Yeah, <laughs> historically um, accurate. Gosh, but yes, um, as I I think I mentioned this way back in our um the Ouija board episode, yeah, the Ouija board episode, the episode like two, stuff. baby. <laughs> back in the day, um, so he did make a pact um with his wife Bess um that if connection beyond the grave was possible, he would make contact with her. Um, and their secret code was uh, Rosabelle Believe. And that was, uh, Rosabelle was their favorite song. Um, so Bess held a seance every Halloween uh, for 10 years after he died. Um, at which point, apparently, um, she is quoted as saying, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. Which, hell yeah. Queen. Hell yeah, Bess. <laughs> Love it. Um, she did in 1928 um, briefly say that a medium named Arthur Ford, who hmm, Arthur Conan Doyle introduced her to, mm. had given her the code. Um, but then she later kind of took it back and said she believed he figured it out through fraudulent means, um, which seems to be uh, supported from some future investigation into this dude who had like uh, books of people's obituaries like disguised as poetry books and stuff and like was definitely doing some some background research on people yikes um but they're so Bess um gave up after 10 years um but houdini fans have continued to do houdini seances um to this day um there is an official houdini seance held on halloween in different cities and as I mentioned in the seance episode, I did attend a Houdini seance. Um, this was not the the official one, um, but it was being held at the Jewish Museum uh, where that exhibit was. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty cool Halloween adventure. Um, yeah. And it was a really interesting experience. Um, I think folks- Did you have I, to fast 24 hours ahead of time? <laughs> I did not. Um, I did not Darn. fast for 24 well, that's hours why and I did not up. get any special seance juice. Mm. <laughs> no, um, no special salad. <laughs> no special salad, sadly. Uh, but it was really interesting. Um, this I, I don't normally um, participate in things like this just to you be- You don't say. Uh, I mean, obviously, as everyone knows, it is not something uh, that I personally uh, believe in. And so generally I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Houdini. I'm not coming in here with my hump to like 
blow up anybody's spot. Uh, but since it was just, you know, kind of like a public sociable event, I was like, yeah, that seems fair. I can attend this and hang out and see. Um, the local medium um, had like a spirit horn um, and she had, they brought out like a pair of handcuffs that were part of the exhibition. Um, hmm, that's cool. Tried to tried to call out uh, to Mr. Houdini. Uh, sadly, we did not hear from him, um, but it was still a, a pretty cool time. Was um, he Jewish, or is this yes. museum just for, okay? I was like, or is this museum just very excited about Houdini? <laughs> he just loved Houdini. Yes. Um, as we briefly mentioned, this is actually about to come up again. Uh, but as we briefly mentioned, um, back his dad was actually a rabbi. So yeah. They oh were, yeah, you did um, say that, but my brain didn't process that no, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so just to to add sprinkle on a little bit of post mortem drama, um, da da da. Houdini was buried in. Machpelah Cemetery in Queens, um, and there has been ongoing drama about the maintenance of his grave ever since. Oh no! Um, like I guess it's because like the Society of um, Magicians like main partially maintains it, and like they were supposed because he basically like made it what it is today, and so they sure. kind of consider him their forefather, and they're like, oh well, like we're supposed to fund the cemetery but the cemetery like sends us a bill but then they don't actually do anything and then we do this and then there was a bust of him which was like a drama because they don't usually allow um likenesses in jewish cemeteries oh interesting um, and then the bust was defaced and then it was replaced with a new bust and it just seems like a, a whole kind of to do um yeah a lot and, going on there <laughs> yes and his uh great nephew in like 2008 wanted to exhume his body uh to look for evidence that he was murdered by the spiritualists who were pissed about all of his, his well i'll tell activities. you what <laughs> if we learned one thing uh from miss patience worth it's that the the spiritualists really do be out here they do be out here uh but nothing nothing ever came of that request um, and just for a, a bonus bummer fact, um, Bess had wanted to be buried next to him, uh, but her family was Catholic and wouldn't let her no! be buried in the Jewish cemetery. So she's buried like 30 miles away. Wah, well, wah, I mean, wah. if anything, that's maybe he'll come back now in a seance because he's mad. Right. And be like, he's yes. like, you didn't bury my sweetheart next to me. Right. Yeah no good um but yeah i i could i could talk for a very long time about Dini. <laughs> um but we'll we'll wrap it up there um he's just a really fascinating guy like yeah he was an inventor of so many things um he was definitely a bit of a wild child it seems <laughs> um was super flashy um definitely very egotistical and thought that he was the smartest person ever um but also really passionate about things and i uh, i also uh i don't know one of the things that the new yorker article mentioned that i have always thought is was kind of like obviously there's no way to know if this was like kind of purposeful but like mm -hmm. there's just such an interesting like kind of anti-authoritarian um stance of like being able to like escape from any handcuffs and like baffle the police and yeah stuff. so i think that's pretty cool and he did um once escape from like some kind of like uh russian transport that was like uh this is the cage that we take people to siberia in and 
he would be like and so he like escaped from that and that was kind of seen as like explicitly kind of like a fuck you to like anti-semitic um russian influences at the time so hell yeah it kind of he kind of gives me like the same font as vincent price in just the sense that like he had all these bizarre interests like you know just kind of a a man of many (laughs) many things definitely more hot-headed than than Mr. Price but but yeah and I mean you have to you have to be a certain kind of person to be like yeah lock me up and toss me in a river and we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens there's a Uh, word for that I think (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no that's uh the the water stuff really gets to me because like I mean there must be I mean, you said that he invented the 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 one where he's hanging by his feet. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that one he knew for sure he could get out of. But like the milk can with the padlock, like right. what what's your plan if you don't <laughs> if you don't escape? Yeah. Like that's that's and, like, terrifying least, to me as a claustrophobic least, person. Yeah, at least that's even like on stage. Like he was definitely like they would like chain him up in a box and just literally dump him in a river yeah like what are you gonna do my man that's crazy <laughs> you have to be you have to be pretty confident in your abilities uh to be yeah. willing to do that so yeah that's a, a bold human for sure mm-hmm. or or a stupid human or both or both <laughs> it, it can be both uh yeah a little, little bit of both for sure um <laughs> but i i would love to know if i'm not the only one who had a houdini face <laughs> uh let me know because it was also like it was not even like a magic or a magician face like it was very specifically specifically. face. you weren't running around yelling mind freak at people (laughs) i was not i was not uh goodness gracious but yeah just a an interesting spooky person of history yes cheers to you houdini Cheers to you. Wish well, she hadn't been taken out by an appendicitis. <laughs> right. <laughs> if and a, a good reminder for all of us to just go to the doctor when people right? like when if people, people say when your people appendix like, you is ruptured. You need to go to the hospital because your appendix is rupturing. Don't be like, ah, I'm I don't good. I'm going to so. put on a show. <laughs> uh, I would rather do my show. And I mean, that really tells you everything you need to know. I was gonna say if that isn't like a, a caricature of theater people I don't know what yes. is. oh my goodness all right uh well thank you everyone for joining us again today um if you uh, enjoyed the show uh we would so much appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review our podcast uh wherever you listen to find podcasts um if they only let you leave a rating um you can feel free to dm us the review um, but I do believe we have a review to read today. We do. This is a five-star review from Apple Podcasts from Spoopy M mm. titled Pure Spooky Joy. Nothing brings me more spooky joy than when the Ghoul's Night End theme song starts playing. <laughs> and I know I'm about to be laughing and learning absurd facts about my fave horror icons from a couple of connoisseurs of the macabre who honestly feel like friends at this point. Happy halfway to Halloween. <laughs> Oh, I think spoopy him. Thank you. That's so sweet. I I had the urge the other day to post like a reel or a TikTok on our account that was mm-hmm. like, does anybody else do this at the end of 
at the end when our little theme starts playing i'm always like twerking in my car yes (laughs) go from like having a very serious learning moment to like (laughs) what you gotta do you gotta twerk all the learnings yeah that's how you retain the information yeah that's what you you did after each houdini biography yeah that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Twerking for Houdini. I just cl- I closed it neatly. I set it down and I got up and I twerked for Houdini. <laughs> well, on that um, note. <laughs> on that note, uh, if you would like to follow along with all of this qu- quality content, if, if you want to know if Midge ever will post um, a reel of twerking to our theme song, yes. uh, follow us on Instagram at ghoulsnightinpod. And if you are looking for me, you can find me at Penny Snark. And you can find me all over the web at Midge Munster. And until next time, goodbye.